And everybody said, amen. Man, that is good stuff. Well, I'm glad to see you here this morning. Excited to share God's word with you. Pastor Joe brought two gallons of horse poo on stage last week. I don't have two gallons of horse poo, but I do want to uh, continue on in our series called Refresh. And tonight, today we're going to talk about refresh, hitting the Holy Spirit refresh button. Several years ago, Gatorade had an ad that starred Michael Jordan. You may remember it. He was covered with orange Gatorade sweat drops. And the imagery was profound, and, and it was very clear in its presentation. Is what's in you will be what comes out of you. And you put the Gatorade in you, the champion will come out of you. So the question is, what's in you? The question this morning is, what's in you? That's an appropriate image of the whole, or question, an image of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, then there's going to be evidences, there's going to be marks, there's going to be a distinctiveness about a Christian who is living under the control, under the leadership, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Because whatever is inside of you eventually will come out. If you squeeze a grape, you're going to get... Participate with me, hello. If you squeeze a grape, you're going to get... Grape juice. You squeeze an apple, you're going to get... For those of you a little older, you squeeze a prune, you're going to get... Or relief, whichever one you need. I'm not, I'm not sure. The, the, the idea is what's inside of you is going to come out of you. If a man is filled with anger, then anger controls his life. If a man is filled with greed, then greed dominates every aspect of his being. If a man is filled with lust, then lust governs his life and his thought. And if a man is filled with love, then love influences everything he does. The question is, what's inside of you? Because what's inside of you comes out. As a matter of fact, it really does, it, it, it'll come out on your good days. And have you ever noticed it's easy to be joyful on a good day? But what's in you will come out not only on good days, but man, it, it'll come out on bad days as well. Matter of fact, when the pressure is on and you're putting out energy and you're really trying your best, man, what's inside of you is going to come out. And if a man is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's controlled by the Spirit of God. And if you will, it's controlled by consent. You allow the Spirit of God to govern your lives, to rule in your heart, to, to be that that, that juice, that Gatorade that so fills you on the inside that whether it's the best day of your life or the worst day of your life, what's inside of you will always be what comes out of you, the Spirit of God. So I want to look at that. Matter of fact, I, I would ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 8 and verse, or chapter 5 and verse 18. Chapter 5 and verse 18. This is a great verse in the scriptures, and, and it's one of the most misunderstood verses in the scriptures, but I want us to look at that. L let's read the verse together. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, a lot of people want to make this kind of a pro or con kind of case for 
you know, drinking and that kind of thing. And, and that was not necessarily Paul's intent because he wrote it to that first century Ephesus believer. And if you lived in Ephesus of that day, man, it was dominated by, two, by one god and one goddess. And the goddess was Di Diana, and she was the goddess of fertility. But the other god was Bacchus, B-A-C-C-A-S, or U-S, Bacchus. And he was the god of wine and of orgies. And the followers at Ephesus believed that to get in touch with their god, Bacchus, to get in touch with him, to know his purpose, and to know his plan, that you had to get drunk with wine. And it was only in an inebriated state, a drunken state when you had no control of your senses, that Bacchus would show up in your life and kind of make sense of a world that is senseless because of alcohol. Got it? It's, it's, a, it's a response to the idol, to the false god, Bacchus in that day verse 18 says be not drunk with wine where it is in that leads to debauchery or if you have the King James that leads to excess but instead be filled with the spirit Paul was talking about how to commune with the God in heaven how to live for him how to serve him how to obey him how to have joy in serving him and how to determine his will if you read the entire book of, of Ephesians chapter in the book of Ephesians and so here is Paul telling us to put into us to fill up man to to pour the spiritual Gatorade in to put the Holy Spirit in us you say well pastor I got saved and I believed I got filled with the spirit when I got saved, and I agree with you 100%. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion. I believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the clarifying, illuminating work of the Holy Spirit of our life upon the moment of, of our salvation. But I'm telling you, I drank something this morning, but I'm a little thirsty right now. I guarantee you before this day is over, you're going to be thirsty even though you've already had something to drink at least yesterday, if not your cup of coffee this morning. Do you understand that it says, in the Greek it says, be being filled with the Spirit. The Greek word is plereo. And I can't roll my R's because my mouth is kind of dry. But it's plereo. It means to make full. To cause to fill up. It, it means to furnish, to cause to abound, to supply liberally. Jesus would say, come and take of the water of life freely. In other words, he, he's saying, my cup, you know, your, my water's never going to run out. What I want to pour into you, the Holy Spirit of God, never runs out. What I want to put inside of you, my spirit my presence, it will never be diminished or tarnished because of sin or Satan or society. My purpose and my spirit will be with you, he says. And so it's that plero. Ephesians 5, 18, it's a great word. It has kind of three shades of, of meaning. Depending on the context, you kind of gravitate towards the meaning. That's exactly what we do in any language and in our English language as well. 
But each of us, each word gives us insight to that being filled with the Holy Spirit so that what's inside of us is the right kind of thing, the right thing so that it can come out of us as we live our lives for Christ. Well, let me give you the first meaning. It, pressure. Pressure. Now, it's not that kind of pressure that it talks about. It's more of a nautical term. It, it, it's used to describe wind billowing and filling the sails of the ship, providing the, uh, the, the inertia, the movement of the vessel across the water. It's not the, it's not the sails that drive the ship. It's the wind in the sails. And so the Holy Spirit many times in the scriptures is described as a, as a wind, as a breath. In the Hebrew word, when God breathed Barak, the breath of, breath of life into Adam, he became a living soul. The Spirit hovered wind over the face of the deep in the acts of creation. The Old Testament king was under, or prophet, was under the mulberry tree. And when he heard the rustling in the mulberry tree, that he would know the leading of the will of God. It's present in the Old Testament. It's also present in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, it came as the sound of a mighty rushing wind. This idea of pressure, of wind feeling our sails, of moving us and motivating us and carrying us along. The Holy Spirit provides the thrust and the impetus to move the believer in the pathway of obedience. He allows us to be carried in the proper direction. You know, another helpful example might be something we've all probably done as, as kids. We throw a stick in a creek. For those of you from the south, a creek. And, and we throw it in there, and then we run downstream ahead of it and watch the stick just kind of get carried by the current and, and go on by. Well, it wasn't the stick that had the ability to motor down the creek. It was the force, it was the pressure of the water upon the stick that moved us down the creek. The Holy Spirit inside you does exert pressure in you. Through the convicting power of God, through the love of God, through the holiness of God, through all these wonderful things of God to help us live a life for God. So that being filled with the Spirit means to be carried along by the gracious, precious pressure of the Holy Spirit of God. Second thing that this word polero mean, could mean is permeation. You ever dropped an Alka-Seltzer? Raise your hand. Ever dropped an Alka-Seltzer in a, in a cup of water, glass of water? And you know, pop, pop, fizz. Isn't that the right commercial? Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Isn't that the Alka-Seltzer commercial? Obviously, I'm too young to remember. Thank you for those of you who do. But the idea is that Alka-Seltzer starts fizzing and bubbling, and pretty soon it just takes over the water so that the water becomes permeated with the Alka-Seltzer. With the medicine, with the ingredients. Kool-Aid kind of functions the same way. But it's the idea that it's, it's permeation. And, and in a similar sense, God wants the Holy Spirit to permeate and flavor our lives so that when we're around others, they will know for certain that we possess the, the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. 
that what's inside our cup, this earthen vessel, this body that God has given us, is different than what other people have inside of them. And as well it should be. I believe, and I know this is an old-fashioned concept, but I believe there ought to be a difference between somebody who calls themselves a Christian and somebody who doesn't call themselves a Christian. I believe the Bible says that when you become in Christ, old things are passed away and everything has become new. Well, what is part of that newness? The Holy Spirit with his presence and his peace and his power and his purpose to direct us in our heart and in our life because he lives within us. And he refreshes us with his presence and he refreshes us with his power and he refreshes us with his peace and he refreshes us with his purpose. Well, the third meaning, and it's actually the primary meaning in the New Testament, it, it conveys the sense of domination. It conveys the sense of domination. It's actually used by Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, three times in the gospel. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 26, it's, it's used to, de to describe and convey a sense of domination or total control. It's used by the gospel writers to indicate people who were controlled or dominated by certain emotions. Listen to Luke 5, 26. After Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and healed the paralytic, the people were astonished and filled with fear. They were dominated by fear. In Luke 6, 11, when Jesus restored a man's hand on the Sabbath, the scribes and the Pharisees were filled with rage. They were dominated by that anger. When our Lord told the disciples that he would soon be leaving them, he told of their reaction, sorrow has filled your heart, John 16, 6. And each of these reveal an emotion that dominated the landscape of their life. Some of you are dominated by anger. Some of you are dominated by fear. Some of you are dominated by grief and sorrow and regret. Well, in the same way that you're dominated by that, Jesus Christ, through the ministering of the Holy Spirit, wants to replace your fear with the Holy Spirit's presence. He wants to replace your sorrow with the Holy Spirit's joy. He wants to replace your doubt with the Holy Spirit's faith because he wants to put that in us because what is in us will come out of us. The question still remains, what's in you? What's in you? What's in you? The Bible tells us that there, as a matter of fact, you could see it. If we had time to read the entire fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, you would see that there are some evidences that are in the final part of this chapter that, that indicate that you and I are under the Spirit's control. So you say, well, pastor, how do I know that I'm Spirit-filled? Well, you know because it's... it's it's included in your conversion in Jesus Christ. But it is not a once and for all filling. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a once and for all deal. But this filling comes from just living life and needing that daily presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit to help us, guide us, lead us, direct us. And so there has to be this daily intake. And then what comes out will evidence. And, and here's three things that will come out. First of all, a person who is controlled or spirit-led by the Holy Spirit, he's joyful. He's joyful. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Joy. When my kids were little, man, I knew when they were happy. I knew when life was good because they were always singing. They were always singing. And I don't know if it's true with you, but man, when, 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 I'm, when I'm happy, when I'm feeling good, man, it's, it's easy to sing. Because it's joy. And what verse 19 is actually describing, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. There are different kind of, of songs that we're to sing. But the whole idea is one of worship. That there is to be this joy in worship. And did you feel that this morning as we sang together? Man, as we talked about what we affirm in faith together in the I Believe song. And then when we celebrated the greatness and the vastness and the holiness and the, and the love of God and the great I Am. Wasn't that exciting? But when you and I understand that, that an evidence of the Holy Spirit is this thing of joy. Now, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, man, it, it is really hard to say you're spirit-filled when there's no joy in your heart. And I know every day is not a hallelujah, joyful day. And I'm not trying to paint the picture that everything in Christianity or everything in faith is joyous. And, and glorious, there are hard days. Christian joy is not a thermometer that rises and falls with every circumstance, but it is a present joy regardless of the circumstances. Philippians 4.11 says, I don't say this out of need, but I have learned that whatever state I'm in, to be content. Why? Because the presence of God through Jesus Christ's forgiveness of my sin and through the living presence of the Holy Spirit is with me. It's inside me. So the question is, what's inside of you? Does joy come out of you? Do you sweat joy? I, I mean, does it just kind of come out? Are, are you one of those people that just look like... You know what I'm saying? You just look like you're mad at everybody, mad at the world... You hadn't had a good day in 17 years. I mean, it's just, just that bad. And I'm not saying you got to fake it. I'm just saying that for a child of God, there is the presence of, the, of God that you just sang about this morning that will sustain you on your worst day, and he will sustain you on your very best day. So there's this idea of joy. But a person who's also controlled by the Holy Spirit is thankful. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. All you got to do is read the rest of the book and it just kind of tells you how we're thankful. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Have you ever been around people who were critical of anything and everything? Now there are some of you that like being around those kind of people. And Jeff has openings this week and you can go and see him. For some counseling. Man, whatever happened to just being thankful for what God's doing? What about just being thankful for what God's doing in your own heart? What about being thankful for what God is allowing you to, to be that presence of Christ in a world through his spirit where you work or, or where you, in your neighborhood, in your community, doing what God's called us to do, always giving thanks. So how's your thankfulness? What's inside of you? Does joy come out? Does thankfulness come out? 
Hey, let's, let's make it a little personal, fellas. You can be thankful for everything in the world, but in your home when the doors are shut, do you exude, do you sweat thankfulness to your spouse? Ladies, you can turn on the charm everywhere, but when the doors get shut at your house, does negativity come out of you because that's in you? I'm telling you, that's not of the Spirit of God. He said, in everything, give thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what everything means in the Greek? Everything. All things, the totality, the sum of all. Always giving thanks for everything. One final evidence here in this passage that is a person who's controlled by the Holy Spirit, he's submissive. He's submissive. Verse 21, Ephesians 5, verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for God. There's this mutual, it's not me first. It's not pushing my way. It's not throwing my agenda. It's not dominating the landscape with what you want to do. It's submitting to the will of God the Father first of all. And then working in cooperation with those closest to you and your immediate family. And then the family of God to accomplish the purposes and the plans and the mission of God. Now there's a lot more I could throw up on the screen. But joy and thankfulness... And submissiveness. Is that in you to come out of you? Joy is a work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 19 down on through 20, 21, 22. Thankfulness is a working of the Spirit in us. And if the, and if the Holy Spirit isn't in us working this thankfulness, then you know what happens? It's not going to come out of us. And then this idea of mutual submission in the body of Christ and in our homes so that we can do more together than what we could ever do apart. We are to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading and we're to submit to one another. In his best-selling book called Into Thin Air, it was made into a movie, you may have seen it. John, and I hope I, I say his name right, uh, Crack Hour relates the hazards that plague some of the climbers when they attempt to climb Mount Everest. Andy Harris, one of the expedition leaders, stayed at a peak too long, and on his descent, he became in dire need of oxygen. He had to get oxygen in him. He was, he was critically low on oxygen. Harris radioed the base camp and told him about his predicament. He mentioned that he came across a cache of oxygen canisters left by other climbers, but they were all empty. And the climbers who already passed the canisters on their own descent knew that they were not empty, but they were full. And they pleaded with Andy Harris. They pleaded with him to make use of those canisters, that they were full of oxygen. They were full of what he needed. Take it. Get the oxygen inside of him. Get it inside of his lungs so that he would be whole and able to finish the climb. But whenever you're depleted of the right stuff that needs to be in you, you will get disoriented. You'll not think straight. 
and Andy Harris with canisters of oxygen around him, starving for oxygen, continued to argue that the canisters were empty. Some of you this morning need to hit the refresh button on the Holy Spirit of God. Because everything that I've described about being submissive and thankful and joyful, that's not you. What I've described about having something in you that's vibrant and alive and purposeful and meaningful, even though you named the name of Jesus and you had a salvation conversion experience, it's been a long time since you've drunk from the well of living waters. And just said to the Holy Spirit of God, breathe on me. Refresh me, mold me, change me into what you would have me to be. Hey, would you bow your heads or would you close your eyes for just a moment?